Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus. This is my podcast. Thank you for being back. We had a bit of a break because of Yeshiva Week and other things that happened, but Yeshiva Week was definitely the highlight. I hope everybody is safe after Yeshiva Week. Uh, we had the Yeshiva Week that only warrants a podcast of its own. So this podcast will not be dedicated to Yeshiva Week. And as you know, this podcast and my lavish lifestyle are supported by generous sponsors. So we will jump right in uh, with an ad read. Hello, friends. If you are looking to save money on purchases or if you want to make some extra cash, check out OfferUp. OfferUp is the same idea as Craigslist, but with an app, and it's more dangerous. Also, you never know what will happen. Perfect if you are a thrill seeker. For example, if you see a nice bookshelf for sale for $100, you can drive over and buy it, or it could be a dangerous setup by members of a satanic cult. The members of the cult are just waiting for you to arrive so they can tie your hands and feet together and lead you to a fiery altar and offer you up as your sacrifice. Get it? Offer up? Anyways, you can score a great deal or jeopardize your life. When you visit OfferUp, please use coupon code THESHMULTENENHOUSE podcast to save $5 on your purchase. Thank you, OfferUp. So, Let's dive right in. I got an email, and I'm sure other people have received a similar email if they go to the same school, that the school that my children go to has informed me and my family and everybody else who goes there that they are increasing tuition. Now, this comes as no surprise because the price of everything has gone up in the last couple of thousands of years. Price just, prices just keep going up, but of course, with inflation and the economy and the recession and everything else that's going on, it was inconceivable, literally inconceivable to me that the price for everything could go up except for tuition because ultimately teachers and the school run off fiat or currency. And so if the price of everything goes up, the price of tuition has to go up as well. Now, uh, as you know, there's been a lot of talk in the media about the price of eggs, how they went up like 50% in the year 2022. And so uh, as much as I would wish teachers in particular in Jewish school, schools more specifically would have trees that would grow money because then I would never have to show up fundraisers. There would be no tuition because I'd just be like, hey, why don't you just take some of that off the tree? But uh, – I do wish that, you know, again, hindsight is 2020, but I wish that schools would be wise enough to pay their staff in eggs because if they were doing that, then it would be a great thing for the teachers because the price of eggs went up. So the asset that they were paid in is now worth more money. And so you wouldn't necessarily have to increase tuition. Now, I read, I, I read it may have been in the Wall Street Journal, that the Biden administration, to solve some of the 
pricing issues with eggs, has uh, issued a new mandate that at this point, if you just have nine eggs, that is now considered a dozen, which will ultimately bring down the cost of eggs because a dozen is only nine eggs right now. So you'll only have nine eggs in a dozen, but the price for the dozen won't be that much more expensive because again, it's only nine eggs. I have a friend with a pool heater because he lives in Florida and uh, he also has a pool. So it's not like he just has a pool heater. The heater is attached to a pool and it costs money to run this pool heater. And when he sees his wife in the morning, the first thing he tells her is, honey, is the pool heater still on? And then he'll be like, uh, the kid's doing okay. Did the baby sleep well through the night? Uh, how's, how's our uh, health insurance? Those paper, did those papers or documents come in? But he'll always lead with that question uh, during a phone call or, again, the first time he sees his wife in the day. And right before he goes to sleep, he'll be like, good night, honey. I love you. Uh, did you check if the pool heater is off? And then they'll, and then they'll go to bed. Now, a couple weeks ago, I received a text, uh, a WhatsApp actually, from a relative who was running a fundraising campaign a charity double match extra bonus round with double matchers who ended up uh, matching it six times during the bonus bonus round. And this person, because they have a phone, I have a phone, so naturally they sent me a link to the fundraiser and there was a page to donate. And I asked my cousin, hey, there's a form here, but do you guys have Cash App? Because... I want to do a mitzvah, but I want to do it in the easy way. Like if I have to donate via PayPal now or anything else, like a credit card, I got to put my name and my last name and then my address and the zip code and the CVV. With Cash App, it's like literally just somebody comes in and just grabs the money right out of my account so fast. Uh, you, you would never know it's even there anymore. So it's Cash App or, or go home, ladies and gents, when it comes to uh, donation requests. I got to put the foot down. In our shul, it is a complicated, complex procedure to get anybody willing to be the chazan. Except for people who really want to hear their voice, but those people usually tend to come later because they have to make sure to get beauty sleep, so they're very protective of themselves. So it's a constant struggle to get people to go up to be chazan, and so our gabai in our shul came up with this ingenious concept, and uh, the, the idea is uh, this will help with chazan recruitment. And so where the shtender is, where the chazan is davening now, uh, they have uh, any possible type of phone charger. So that basically means, yes, you have to be the chazan, and maybe you will stumble over a lot of the words because uh, you weren't paying attention in yeshiva or even before then or maybe you're just dyslexic, but you get to charge your phone too. So certain times, like a few weeks, you know, I think it was last week, they couldn't get somebody from Mincha, and they said, hey, we got the chargers, and he said, do you have a Gal Galaxy 6? And boom, he went right up because he had a Galaxy, Galaxy 6 phone, and he's doing it. Also, we added for Shabbos, uh, it's not just for Shabbos, actually, during the week too, they added by the Chazen rear-view mirrors because people were complaining that they would have to turn around and count if they have 6 or 9 or 10, 
for 11, but now again, uh, it's much better now using the modern technology that we have. Now, as you know, I have friends who are not Jewish. Let's just take a pause right now to absorb that, yes. And I have very good friends who are not Jewish. It's good to have some non-Jewish friends, people who you know, who don't necessarily want to uh, take your business ideas and uh, whatever else that you are producing. They're just happy for you. And I have had opportunity over the years to have DMCs, deep, meaningful conversations with many of my non-Jewish friends. And I'm here to share with you that from all the questions that have come up, there's one question that I've been asked more than anything else. And this was not just actually my uh, non-Jewish friends, but also my non-Jewish colleagues who I've worked with. And so the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because one day you may have a non-Jewish friend or you may be in the world uh, outside of your little family WhatsApp group and somebody non-Jewish will pose the following question. You may not know what to answer. And so here I am, Shmuel Tenenels, the Shmuel Tenenels podcast. Uh, giving you a rundown of what the question is and possible responses that I've given in the past. So, whereas I would think they would ask uh, deep philosophical questions about monotheism and kosher, uh, this is the, by far, by leaps and bounds, uh, that's how far uh, is, is, is this question the lead. So, the question is like this. How does that thing, and they're pointing to my yarmulke, manage to stay on your head? So this is a very deep question, obviously, because there's so many levels and layers to this question. And obviously, this is not a question that I was expecting until I got asked it a couple thousand times. So here are some of the answers, because it's important to be transparent. And these are answers that you can use as well as the question arises. So first thing I let them know is about uh, Jew glue, which is uh, yarmulke, for, yarmulke glue for Jews, so the yarmulke stays on their head, which could be bought at any Jewish hardware store, like Maisha's Hammers, uh, Yitz's Screwdrivers, different places that you can get it. The second one is more on a scientific level, uh, and that is, the first one is more metaphysical, the second one would be, um, again, is more on the science realm, and that is gravity. So, essentially, what goes up must go down, so I put it up on my head, and now it's just, it's, it's, it's going down because of gravity. And the third answer is, uh, you know, again, they're not necessarily that familiar with it, but I explained to them that uh, the Jewish horns that we have, which are invisible, except if we're amongst Jews, so what that does is it holds the yarmulke in place, so that it doesn't really move uh, back and forth. And that will open up another whole uh, can of worms in terms of do you wear it in the shower, uh, do you wear it in other private moments, and what I have to do is explain to them is that as a married man, uh, there are no more showers or private moments anyway, so that question is completely irrelevant. Now, this was, I think, two, three weeks ago, in our shoal, here in Hallandale Beach, there was a congregant who is a professor, and he gave a class, a parenting class, on ADHD. And I had planned to go, I really 
wanted to go to attend this class because I'm sure there was a lot of things that I could have picked up that would have been helpful for me. And uh, I ended up getting distracted and not making it to the class. And uh, what was I just talking about? You know, uh, <clears throat> it's embarrassing. I'm just going to go to the next conversation. So, like I mentioned, we're back from Yeshiva week and Yeshiva vacation. But there is a level where if you have the means, the first thing you do when you come back from vacation from the family or with the family is you have to take a vacation because you were just with your family and it was miserable and horrible. And so you have to essentially take a vacation from a vacation. I remember when we used to go on family trips as kids, we used to arrive home and my parents would stay in the car and we were like, are you going to come out? And they were like, no, we're, we're leaving now because we just spent a lot of time with you, too much time with you. And we kind of need to uh, air out. And uh, so you go on a, a second vacation with your wife. And then when you come back from that vacation, what you want to do is potentially just go on another vacation because you're just with your wife. It's kind of stifling. You're your own person. You're an individual. And uh, can you just not kill the vibe? Let me just go away for a couple of days. I am very interested and stoked about the new Southwest Airlines vacation package. Uh, it comes with a standard round-trip ticket, but included in the ticket is you get to sleep for six nights in the terminal. So one way, round-trip, uh, six nights in any terminal that Southwest Airlines flies out of. We'll talk now a little bit about the gym and mental health awareness situations. So I go to the gym as often as I possibly can. We're going to get to that in a minute. And uh, mental health is definitely on the top of my list in terms of going to the gym. Now, if you've seen me in the last couple of years, all I do in terms of pants-wise, I'm not saying what I do in my life, but everything pants-related, I only wear sweatpants. And the reason for that is, I mean, I wear a shirt and sits and obviously pants and shirts and, and a yarmulke that's there with juglu. But the reason why I only wear sweatpants as a form of pants is because I constantly and always want to be dressed to go to the gym. Why? Because I have to work on my mental health and also my physical health. Now, what ends up happening is I saw a picture of myself of what I look like dressed with my like fuzzy slippers and the sweatpants that are tight at the bottom. And uh, in the picture, I can just tell you that I look like somebody with mental health issues. So, again, I'm going to the gym for mental health, but again, wearing sweatpants all the time uh, gives off the wrong idea. Now... For those of you, it's been January, and that's when a lot of people sign up to go to the gym, and I really want to encourage it. And I want to walk you through my core motivation in terms of making it out to the gym. So, and this is, is very aligned with a lot of the Jewish values that I have passed on to me generation over generation. When I go to the gym, my primary goal is to lower my CPG, 
The CPG means the cost per gym. So let's say I go to the Y, it costs approximately $50 and a month. And if I go to the gym one time during the month, it's $50 CPG. Now, if I go two times, $25. If I go 10 times, it's costing me five bucks to go to the gym. And I feel really good because it's possible I'm exercising right next to a guy who only went two times. So I'm getting a much better deal on my exercise than he's getting. And in fact, some days I'll just stroll in there to, you know, fill up a water bottle or something like that because, again, effectively that CPG is going down. Uh, there's somebody who I share an office with. He also recently joined the gym. He used to exercise outside of his house with a homemade gym that he had during COVID. And uh, as he's, you know, deadlifting four or 500 pounds, uh, his neighbors were insistent that he put uh, new cement or layer a new foundation because every time he would lower the weights, kind of the whole block would shake. So he's now at the gym with me. I wanted to do a movie review of The Glass Onion. This, I believe, played in the theater for a short amount of time and is now on Netflix. So first of all, really good uh, movie. And uh, again, as always, whenever I see good content on Netflix, uh, it's always a head scratcher wondering how it made it through the cracks of uh, all the terrible content that's there. And so it is a murder mystery. This is a sequel to Knives Out, which was also a great movie. Since I'm married with young children and I got ADHD and I'm tired at night, so it takes me a couple of weeks on average to watch the movie. But uh, the three things that I liked about this movie in particular, and I highly recommend you watch it, is uh, the first thing is would be uh, Edward Norton. The second thing I liked was uh, Edward Norton, and the third thing also was uh, Edward Norton. Great actor who I really love. There's some good montages. And Daniel Craig is the detective in the movie. And he has a British accent, so he's kind of mumbling. I didn't understand a word that he said, and I didn't understand a lot about the movie either. So I, I would also suggest you have the subtitles on, especially when Daniel Craig is talking about what it is that he's talking about. Now... There is a saying that goes, nothing is certain except for death and taxes. And I would like to add two things to that statement. Another thing that is certain is they will find more classified documents somewhere where a Biden is. It could be a vacation home. It could be in an office, presidential library. That is certain. The question is just when. I also want to point out how much more skilled President Biden is as a politician than Donald Trump. So with Trump, they found documents and uh, the FBI is called in because anything Trump related has to be done with a lot of fervor and excitement in all caps. But if you notice the way Biden has worked this whole thing, that it's kind of trickled out and it's such a slow movie thing. And especially the whole time, very important to mention that the Biden administration is fully, fully cooperating 
with this investigation, as opposed to, again, Trump, that is, you know, he's not cooperating. He's just not being cooperative. So with Biden, first, they found something. It was very small. It wasn't really a document. He was really eating alphabet soup. But a couple of the letters, it spelled some words. It was classified, so they took care of it. Next, they found on a boat that he owned, it was just a small post-it note written on one side. Now it looks like in somebody's fireplace, they have a half-burnt index card. They're, they're trickling this out, and they're doing such a freaking good job. And for those who still think that uh, the act of President Biden being you know, old and not really sure what's going on is a very clever ploy that I think uh, enables him to get away with a lot. And so kudos to President Biden. I'm becoming a bigger fan every day. Uh, another thing that is certain, in addition to death taxes and the soon-to-be-more findings of Biden-classified documents, is that when you are at a from bar mitzvah or wedding, and there is security out front, and it's a guy with a gun, usually. So what's certain is that there will be a child, you know, bar mitzvah age or close to that, bugging the crap out of the security guard, asking him a thousand questions because it's very cool to talk to the security guard at a bar mitzvah. So he's going to want to know, uh, is, the gun, is the gun real? Does it have bullets inside? Uh, did he buy it on Amazon? Has he, any, has he ever killed anybody with the gun that he has at the bar mitzvah or the wedding? And has he ever killed anybody at a bar mitzvah or a wedding? Also, next to the guy who's asking the questions, the security guard, there's going to be a friend of his who's a little more shy who's going to be whispering questions to his friend, the loudmouth, who's asking questions to security guys, like ask him if he's Jewish, ask him if he was in the army. You know, he's feeding him these great questions. I may have mentioned in the past before, I've talked about this concept of shul membership. Now, I'm all in favor of shul membership. I don't think that, uh, you know, for business smarts, people, congregants should put their shul membership on auto-renew. Like, you want the opportunity to not have it on auto-renew, so... You know, if the year is coming to the end, you can see, you know, did I get good services from my synagogue? Do I want to renew my membership? But people always are, you know, it's a conundrum and they're trying to figure out, like, what do I really get from show membership? What, what do I get? What are the perks that I have that somebody who is not a paying member to show is getting? So the first thing is uh, in our show, so they've dealt with this. And so the first thing is, if there are not enough Sidurim uh, prayer books, so uh, the paying member is, is highly encouraged by shul management to grab a Siddur out of a non-paying member's hand because it rightfully belongs to the member. And the reason why it's highly encouraged is because if that happens a couple of times to a non-paying member, they will likely convert into a paying member because that is an awful experience, right? You want to be able to say, hey, don't grab my Siddur, I'm also a paying member. Now, the, the main thing that they, they unrolled this year for 2023 is if you're a paying member, when it is Reish Chaydesh or they're switching from, uh, you know, so the same bracha to the same tal, 
or Mashi Baruch, when they're making those changes in davening that just are there to mess with your head, uh, sometimes you daven Shemanesri, you do the Amidah, and then you finish, and you're like, wait a second, did I say Yalavi Yavah or not? Paying members now, because there are video cameras in shul, can go over to the office, and they actually have two uh, instant replay that they can rewind it, look at you, slow pause, slow motion, Okay, he's going down for Maidim, boom, you missed it, go back, or not. And so, personally, I think this is a great thing, that they un unrolled this technology into shoals, at least in our shoal, and that is why I am happy to be a paying member. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the past, but my wife, who I love dearly, who does not listen to the podcast for obvious reasons uh, because <laughs> it just wouldn't be a good thing. Let, let's just leave it at that. So she is a therapist, a family marriage therapist, and she's very knowledgeable about many things, but she also knows a lot about you know, family therapy and all that jazz. So the other day she mentioned to me that per the Gottman Institute and the Gottman method, couples that are in a good relationship have 20 positive interactions per day. Now, a couple of things. For those who are unfamiliar with Gottman, they are a couple that supposedly have never fought in their whole life, which is why they developed this method, and their secret supposedly is for half a week the husband wears a blindfold and his mouth is gagged. And for the other half of the week, the wife does the same thing. And so there really is no opportunity for them to either make eye contact or talk, which is why they haven't fought for so many years. So, and it, it's been so successful as a method, the Gottman method, they've actually taken that method and made it into an institute. They also have the four horsemen. They have a bunch of people in the closet that are riding on horses. It's a fascinating thing. I encourage you all to look at it. So anyways, the question that I pose to my wife is, okay, so now if it's in the middle of the day, like 3 o'clock, and I randomly text you and I say, hey, boo, I love you, that will be one point, right? you got to get 20 points. Now, if my wife responds and she says, I love you too, I love you so much, and that's it. It's quiet. Now, I wait 15 minutes. 15 minutes later, I go back to that chat, and I heart emoji when she replies and she says, I love you too, right? So I basically, now with iPhones, and I'm sure maybe with Androids you can do it too, is you can actually like or leave the emoticon on something somebody said. My question is, if I'm going to leave a heart emoji on her comment, but there's a 15-minute period in between, will that get me another point or another positive interaction? Or is it all considered back to the original uh, interaction? So it's only one point. Now, the reason why I would think it's worth an another interaction is because 
I didn't have to go back and like that comment. You know, 15 minutes later, I chose to come back and re-engage and interact with that return I love you. And so I think that in all fairness, it should count as a second point. And I'm curious as to your thoughts of what y'all think about that. Now, another thing to mention is that a couple weeks ago, we had a the good fortune to celebrate and make a kiddush for our daughters because we're, you know, a year hasn't, it hasn't been a year yet, so we're within the statute of limitations to making a kiddush, even though I, I heard here it could be extended beyond a year. And I don't have a whole lot of memories from the event other than, you know, running around and panicking that we bought too much food and trying to also figure out how we were going to pay the catering bill. But other than that, I'm kind of drawing a blank with one exception. I have photographic memory of all the friends I invited who did not show up for the event. I don't even remember who showed up. But if you didn't show up, I know exactly who did not show up. Now, I also invited friends who were not Shemr Shabbos because I figured, hey, you're not Shemr Shabbos anyways. Why'd you come to my event? You can maybe stay in a hotel in the neighborhood. You could camp out in my backyard and come the next day. So, because I'm not, I'm not going to only hold a grudge against my Shemr Shabbos friends, even my friends who are non-Shemr Shabbos, I can also hold a grudge against them for not showing up to my event. And the amazing thing is that the minute Shabbos was over, I rushed to do Avdallah so I can write down exactly who did not show up. And I know that I'm not the only person who, who, who experiences this non-Simcha showing up photographic memory of the Baal Simcha because I've come to people after Simcha and there's hundreds of people there and they say, you know, how come you didn't show up to the wedding that I made? So this seems to be something that is beyond just the Shmuel Tendenhaus podcast. Now, before I leave you hanging and stranded, until the next installment of the Shmuel Ten podcast, I want to relate to you something that happened to me this past Friday night, which is extremely trivial and uh, absolutely will add nothing to your life or your IQ, but I think it's important that I share this. So without going into too much detail, I was at a friend's house and they were doing Shalom Aleichem while I was catching up, davening Marev, and by the time I caught them for Shalom Aleichem, they started Eishas Chayil, and what happened was, in Eishas Chayil, they're, and then what happens is, two seconds later, it was too late for me to catch up to them for Eishas Chayil, because they got to Marvadi So I just basically jumped on the Marvadi uh bandwagon and I finished off with them. And I know that I skipped the first three quarters and I apologize to my Ashish Chayel for that. But when you're doing Ashish Chayel and, and they're moving so fast and all of a sudden, you know, there's an opportunity because Marvadi you just jump on. And, and you just continue with everybody else. Anyways, have a wonderful week, and I'll speak to everybody 
soon. Please like my podcast, rate my podcast, uh, leave reviews for my podcast, print it out in different letters, and, and send people the letters with my podcast on it. Thank you.